I'm Ian Price. And I'm Harrison Hartog. Today on 10 Minute Warning, we discuss what type of mask works best against COVID-19. Details about HBO's Hard Knocks and its pandemic-centric first episode. And ESPN finally, finally, named new Monday Night Football commentators. Goodbye, Booger McFarland. See ya. So I'm going to start today with a question, Harrison. Okay. What type of COVID-19 mask do you prefer? Oh, definitely a cloth one. Cloth? Yeah. You can breathe through it. Um, The medical ones or the cheap medical ones, like the light blue ones. Yeah. I think those are paper. Paper, yeah. You can't breathe through those at all. Like I feel like I'm getting hot. I feel like I'm losing my shortness of breath, all that. Cloth all the way. Now, I will say this for the paper mask. As somebody who wears... Glasses. I'm really glad that they have those masks places because it has that layer at the top where it's really easy to pinch Mm -hmm. to keep from fogging up your glasses. Yeah. Ironically, the more fancy the mask, the more problem I'm having seeing because I have glasses on. Well, who needs to see? That's what I'm starting to find out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we had gotten the autonomous cars really off the ground by now, (laughs) yeah. who needs it? Who needs it? Of course, you don't need to wear a mask in the car. If you're one of those people driving alone in your car with a mask on, I'm just here to let you know. I do see that, though. It's, a lot, it's right? It's pretty funny. I don't get the idea. So should we be wearing a mask outside all the time? No, I take mine off. I don't. Wear- I just pull it down in case I encounter a situation I need to pull it back up. I don't take it fully off, but yeah. outside, no. See, you see people walking alone on a street with no one on it, and they're wearing a mask. And I'm like, okay, like I appreciate that, but... They're with their imaginary friend. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I guess they don't want to think in case someone approaches them. Yeah. I, I mean, guess. I'm a big fan of the gator. I also would say a lot of people probably forget. I use the gator because that way I can just pull it up and down yeah. off my neck. And it's always there. I can pull it up and down. It's always there. Exactly. So there's been a couple of studies about these masks. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Virginia Tech did a study. It's a couple weeks old at this point. But they said that effectively all the masks that they tested were a huge upgrade to not wearing one. They Mm -hmm. measured like cough droplets on a Petri dish. Yeah. Then Duke University came out with a study and they said that the gator didn't work that well. I can see that. It's very porous. Maybe. But like, so as someone who wears the gator, this concerns me. Well, because A... The masks are really inconvenient and nobody wants to wear them. I'm no exception. I'm wearing one, but I don't want to. But I do like the fact that there's one I can just have on my neck, harder to forget, and I can just pull it up, pull it down. But I think it also, like, I want to bring in the beard rule here. I'm no scientist, mm -hmm. okay? I'm not here to dispute Duke University or Virginia Tech. But I I have a beard. Mm -hmm. You do? Yeah. (laughs) Harrison can confirm. Beard. Confirm. The length changes, but it's always there. Yes. And I think you can really judge how well a mask is covering based on how much beard is still visible. Right? That's a good point. A paper mask. Um, okay. Chin's gone. A regular mask, especially with the glasses issue, because I have to take it all the way up the bridge, like right on like right between my eyes. Some, so then at that point. Dirty. <laughs> so at that point, it's literally covering my nose and my mouth, and then my beard is widely exposed. And I've actually had people say, like, hey, you should probably pull your mask down. I'm like, no, I'm not breathing through my beard. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm breathing through my mouth and it's covered. Yeah. People, so the mask and glasses combo, shout out to my people rocking that. So my question is with the Duke study, was it the, the gainers aren't as effective for the person or the people outside of the person? Now that's, that's a good question because the masks are supposed to be for you to protect people from you. Right. It's supposed to be for other people. Yeah. So I don't know. Let's see. You Duke university mask study. Cause uh, I, I could see it being effective for you in the sense, I mean for other people in the sense that it would block stuff coming out. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine if something landed on that mask being how porous it is, it could absorb in and then your mouth touches it. And then you got COVID. Okay, so of all the mass studies, the latest by Duke University researchers affirms the fitted N95 is the king to fight against COVID. Okay, right. so that's the mask. We've heard of that from the beginning. Yeah, from the beginning. It, it was actually so effective, they told us not to go get one because yeah. we were getting them faster than hospitals could. Right. So they were like, hey, stop. You don't need an N95. We do. Then once they got plenty, they were like, oh, okay. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Now you need one. Go yeah. get one. Yeah. Now that we have ours. So, okay, that's the king, um, six feet rule, uh, 95%, 30% with the six feet. I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Let's see. It was just a curious question. We don't have to figure out the full answer for it. Okay, so here it is. So they rated the masks. They did one to 14. They did a bunch of different types. I mean, like two-ply apron mask, cotton, and three-layer surgical mask is two underneath N95, and then... Literally, number 13, dual-layered bandana, 14, gator-style neck fleece. So, it is last. I'm kind of curious why. The neck gator is too thin to offer much protection, the researchers concluded. It's possible the fabric breaks up bigger particles into smaller particles that can remain airborne longer. Bandanas and knitted masks were simply ineffective. But the conclusions, as in so many other studies, have left little doubt that wearing a mask is our best defense against the spread of COVID-19. Yep. And I'm not, I'm not going against that at all. Mm. I'm not telling people not to wear a mask. I'm just expressing my frustration that I thought I'd finally found a really comfortable way to deal with this. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it doesn't do anything. I think if you can breathe through it, it's probably not the most effective. Whereas like the surgical ones that are hard to breathe in, there's a reason they are because they're more protective. When you said a, a mask I can't breathe in, I automatically went to the bedroom. I mean, I just immediately thought of a dirty mask. Yeah. So you're saying I should wear a ball gag? Yeah, or the zipper one. That the zipper can, one? Yeah. Any type of gimp suit Yeah. would really fit this situation. Just come out in a full leather outfit. I want to get a Stormtrooper helmet. That would be cool. I mean, there's I've no seen, way. The coolest one I've seen is a guy put a Buzz Lightyear helmet on. That's and you just good. press the button and it shut. That Buzz Lightyear helmet, that brings me to my next point. If you watch HBO's Hard Knocks, you get to watch Sean McVay in real time, it seems, talk about how he doesn't like the mask because he can't see people's facial. Mm-hmm. That He can't see what their face is doing when he tells them something. He can't tell if they look confused, if they look like they understand. Right. And, you know, as somebody who studied communication a little bit, that is huge. Like 90% of our communication has nothing to do with our words. Mm-hmm. It's all nonverbal facial non-verbal, cues, yeah. things you do. Um, and so he puts on the face shield mm-hmm. and he wasn't rocking it throughout the rest of the episode, but it was pretty interesting to see how hard knocks really looked at how COVID-19 is affecting 
everything with football. Yeah, I felt the first episode honestly didn't have a lot to do with the football until near the end of it. The right. whole beginning was just how they're implementing the new procedures, uh, how it's affecting teams, what they're having to do. And that went on for much longer than I thought it would. Well, I think, I think it needed to. Yeah, it definitely needed to. I mean, that's what people want to see. They want to know why, how is COVID affecting people? And I mean, it's only been within the last week or two that we're actually even getting videos and stuff from camp where people are actually playing football. Mm -hmm. So this is episode one needed to be about that because that's what they're dealing with, right? I mean, they are not able to go out there and do the things they would usually do because they're doing all this stuff. I mean, I loved that montage of like the players coming in, getting tested, mm-hmm. some of them being weird about it, going up their nose. How funny was it when Hard Knocks did that random little, they did this mashup of just like five second clips of people just like having a swab in their nose. Well, it showed the truth of it. Yeah. It showed the truth behind, I mean, they're NFL players. They're supposed to be tough and all that, but they still get scared by the little needle going up their nose or whatever you call it, swab. And I thought it was hilarious. And how does it affect, uh, how did it affect the usual showsmanship you would get from players with money during a Hard Knocks episode. Outside of Melvin Ingram, nobody showed up in a fancy car. Nobody. Mm -hmm. I mean, remember A.B. with the Raiders? Yeah. He took a damn air balloon to practice. (laughs) He took a damn air balloon. They were like, where's A.B.? Oh, there he is in a freaking air balloon. (laughs) That should have been their first sign. Yeah, that should have been the first sign of issues when John Gruden wasn't the only one parking his air balloon. No, right. I'm, I'm yeah. kidding. <laughs> but Melvin Ingram shows up in this car that seemed to require a helmet. Yeah. And then ironically, he's wearing a helmet with a face shield. He gets out and he goes, hold on, let me put my mask on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just keep your helmet on? And he, you know what he pulled out? A bandana. Yeah. So if Duke, if Duke University is more right than Virginia Tech, a lot of football players are going to have to change things up because I'm seeing a lot of Gators, a lot of bandanas. And some of these players, especially on hard knocks, I think it was one of the LA guys. It might've been Derwin James. I can't remember exactly. He was using a paper mask. And remember he said, Oh, it broke. My mask always be breaking. And he's like asking people for another mask. Yeah. I'm like, dude, (laughs) you make enough money to buy a mask. Well, the teams, even the team issued ones that had the logos on them and everything, they looked like cloth masks, which, I mean, according to Duke, is now not effective. Oh, great. So, I mean, that kind of puts in, is the NFL truly looking into all the procedures that need to be taking place? Did they say cloth masks didn't work? I thought so. Oh, yeah. Well... I mean, they work better than the gainers, apparently. They work better. Yeah, okay, so they're just not the top. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It says cotton masks is number three. And then uh, the layers of cotton. There's so many layers of cotton. I don't know which layer, how many layers there are in that. It says knitted mask, which I think means homemade, is 12 out of 14. Of being good? Uh, Yeah, so that's not good. Oh, not good. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say, I can't imagine a knitted mask being good. I mean... You mean all we needed was an army of grandmas? My mom used, to, my mom used to knit, and there's some pretty big holes in those. Yeah, <laughs> don't talk about your mom's shoddy knitmanship. Yeah, well, no, it was good. It's, it's better than mine. Knitting in general is there's a lot of holes in it. Can't imagine that being effective. That sounds pretty punny. Yeah, a lot of holes in it. Yeah. So anyway, the uh, the big shocker that made headlines for Hard Knocks, um, Anthony Lynn. Mm-hmm had coronavirus, didn't tell anybody. Hard Knocks actually even shows the conversation with the doctor coming in. 
And the doctor's like, so, didn't know you had it. What was it like? How was it? And that was just fascinating to see the team doctor wanting to hear from a guy who is clearly only an expert on finding women in Cleveland when you shouldn't, <laughs> football, football, and barbecue. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, Anthony Lynn seems like a pretty bland guy, but that's kind of who you want running your team. Well, I mean, if, as a player, if your coach isn't even letting you know that you had COVID, what does that say? Right. Well, no, he let him know. But, but after the fact. Yeah, he let him know. He's like, boom, here it is. And he said he wouldn't have even known he had it if he hadn't been playing with somebody who got tested and had it. And then he's like, how do you feel? And then he felt the same way. Yeah. I can't wait to find out what COVID-19 is targeting, what makes it happen, and what makes other people asymptomatic. I don't know if we'll ever find out. But that's going to be really fascinating, I think. Hmm. So let's go back to that Cleveland note. If you didn't watch Hard Knocks um, here on 10-Minute Warning, we're trying to make sure that you get all the scoops from Hard Knocks without having to pay HBO their $15 a month, okay? Right. You already have Netflix. You already have Hulu. Yeah. You don't need to add on to it. You might have Amazon. I mean. Might. Yeah, you might. I mean. Whether you watch it or not. It's hit or miss. Uh, anybody watching Goliath? No? Okay. Yeah. But uh, so Anthony and Lynn had a nice note. His wife was on and he said they met in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. uh, Bill Parcells lined him up a job in Cleveland with Romeo Cornell, who was the head coach at the time. Good friend of his. Which I thought was interesting. He had already had another job lined up and that coach basically forced him into the job. Bill Parcells said, no, you're taking this job. Yeah. Because that's how Bill Parcells is. That's why he went to so many teams to be a team builder. Mm -hmm. He knows how to get the best out of people and where they'll be best. That's mm -hmm. what he's good at. So, yeah, that was really interesting. And then he said on the way there, Cleveland Magazine ranked it the worst place in the U.S. to find a wife or the worst place to be a single man. And, of course, he finds his wife. Right. How lucky is Anthony Lynn? Oh, very lucky. Cleveland, Buffalo, running back coach, all of a sudden gets an interim head coaching job, and then, boom, the L.A. Chargers. Chargers. He goes to the San Diego Chargers and then moves to L.A. with them, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... Come on. Because they made the move over after the last season. Yeah, I that think. That decision hadn't been made yet. Yeah, last season they played in, I believe, um, some sort of high school basement or maybe a middle school auditorium. Yeah. <laughs> there was no one there. It didn't matter. They could have played anywhere. They yeah. didn't have fans. I mean, they had opponents' fans, but. Yeah. The Broncos game there. <laughs> it was a home game. It looked like a home game. Yeah, yeah, it really did. It really did. So let's talk about some of the other stuff on Hard Knocks. Um I thought it was really interesting how they portrayed the Rams as the team with resources. Mm -hmm. So if you're unfamiliar or if you, or if you have forgotten, the Rams owner is very freaking rich. He is rich by NFL owner standards. He is one of the richest owners in the league. He's definitely top five. I can't remember where he is. The Rams owner owns that stadium. Yeah. The chargers rent that stadium. Mm -hmm. They are not owners. So it was very interesting to see how, the Chargers, Anthony Lynn's giving press conferences. They're showing the locker rooms inside and stuff. But then the Rams are pretty much outside where they can have as much space as possible. Yeah, I was waiting to see their nice facilities and stuff like that. But it looked like they were just on the practice field or right next to it. They laid down some blue turf and that was it. If you're going to, yeah, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to pay rent in LA, you got to enjoy that weather. Yeah. It's like 75 year round. But I thought it was really interesting to see how the Rams seem to have a little bit of an owner advantage with the big circus tent, especially over the Chargers. I don't know. Did it seem that way to you, like an advantage? Or 
maybe they just didn't want to show the same stuff for each one. Well, I mean, the Chargers have a building and locker rooms. I think that's the advantage. Well, I don't know. I think as far as fighting COVID-19 and getting your practice. Oh, you're talking about from a COVID standpoint. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about the COVID oh, yeah. standpoint. To be yeah. able to be outside and spread people out more. and Yeah, that's definitely an advantage. And to have the money. They were, they were just showing like, oh, more chairs here, more stuff there. Like they were just yeah. spending money left and right. I mean, it was a 70,000 square foot tent they rented. Was that what they said? It was huge. It was huge. In my notes, I put big circus tent because that's what I, they called it. Maybe 7,000. That might be more realistic. Yeah. It was longer than a football field. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. Reggie Scott called it a big circus tent yeah. for distancing. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting. I'm curious if owners and organizations have any limit on the money they can spend for practice and things like that. Because then I could totally see why teams want to go to the Rams or the Cowboys or a team like that, a team where there's no salary cap on working out and they can just dump money into it, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. That's the illusion it gave me. That's what it made me think of was that the Rams owner can just throw dollar bills down to, for COVID you know, restrictions and help all that out. Yeah. The Chargers are definitely struggling after making a big move like that. So, yeah, Rams are ready for it. The Chargers, what a terrible move. I mean, they had a fan base. They had everything, and they just wanted the limelight. No, they had a they had a poor owner, a poorer, one of the poorest owners, who didn't want to pay for a new stadium. They couldn't yeah. stay in their new stadium, and San Diego said, F you guys, you're not helping us. We're not giving you all these tax breaks like everyone else. Right. Leave. Go ahead and get. Still. I think the Chargers will eventually end up moving to San Antonio or something. Really? Somewhere where there's other big teams and they and you know, they know how to handle an athletic team. Yeah. I you know, I don't want another team in Texas, but I mean there's three teams in Cali. Go from Cali to Texas, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Football's bigger in Texas. We talked about that with the XFL. It would be huge. And I mean San Antonio is a city that needs a football team. Yeah. For sure. I mean, the Spurs Popovich isn't gonna be there forever. The no. Spurs are gonna go through some hard times soon. Well, they're going to them. Yeah, that's true. Well, they're going through them. Yeah, that's true. They're going through some hard times right now. It's not easy. Um, Sean McVay. Mm -hmm. Do you know the most interesting fact I knew about Sean McVay before Hard Knocks? It was, it's his memory. So you can look up these videos. He did it. There's some with HBO, but um, interviewers have done this to him a lot. They will ask him about, they'll be like, you were with the Washington Redskins. It was 2016, sixth game of the season. Third quarter, seven minutes left. And Sean McVay will tell them exactly what play they ran. So he's got like a photographic memory or something like that. Sean McVay is a little child freak. He's a short dude who never forgets any play he's ever called. So that's why he's so successful and so young. Exactly. And that's why the Washington football team is dumb yet again for letting him get away. Right. Because Jay Gruden had so many coaches under him when he was being kind of rocky. And instead of firing everybody and letting Sean McVay take over the team – they let Sean McVay go to L.A., and they went to a Super Bowl. They lost, but they went. Anyway, Sean McVay, now I know that his fiance is maybe hot. So what did you think? I really don't know if she's hot or plastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with not. Like, okay. If, you th- I, if you look at her real quick, yeah, she's pretty hot. Yeah. She's pretty hot, but I'm not a plastic type of guy. Me neither, but... Part of me thought when I was watching and I was like, oh man, she gets a lot of plastic surgery. But then I thought, I don't know, maybe 
maybe she just got insecure and because HBO was coming and because it's LA, she got Botox for the episode or something. Well, I'm sure it's LA. The people, the wives that she's hanging around with yeah. and stuff like that probably all have it and all have recommendations and are like, oh, you should get this simple procedure done. And that formulates into another one, another one, another, another one. one, another one. I don't want to turn this into an episode of Botched, but it can pile up. Yeah. I hate or that Or DJ Khaled. DJ, another, another one. one. <laughs> so Sean McVay has a fiance. I didn't even know he had a fiance. He was always dating on and off with hotties. Yeah. But he seems to be settling down. I mean, do you see his house? Yeah. That view? If, if, <sighs> if, if the girl has to look a little plastic, but you get that house, I'm in. I'm in too. Yeah, I'm in. That view was great. I think Sadie would agree with me. Yeah, I think so too. Let's cut that out. <laughs> Harrison's wife would allow him to leave. Um, that's what he just said. So just going to leave that in there for the master take. Yeah. I, don't worry. She's not going to listen. Yeah, that's true. So uh, that brings me to another interesting point. Sean McVay coaches so well. He's training the new Airbud. He's training that dog. That dog had that yeah. down. Yeah, he did. I was watching that. And I was like, man, I wish my dog could do that. I was like, my dog. I have something to talk about. Well, my dog will like chase it, but they don't hit it back and stand still. They would hit it back and then try to come take it from me. Yeah. Maybe uh, they it's the water element. They haven't learned how to use their nose to hit it up. No, she's learned how to hit things with her nose, but it's mostly my face when I come home. Yeah. Which is... Again, with the glasses, very unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> but what was that dog a pit? What was that dog? It looked like a pit, like maybe golden retriever mix. Yeah. Lab mix, maybe. It was a very interesting element because I knew. It wasn't an L.A. dog. No. It didn't seem like. No, it did not seem like an L.A. dog. It seemed almost like maybe they brought the dog with them or something. Yeah. But, I mean, it was really interesting to see that I expected Sean McVay to have an L.A. home. I expected the facility to look very L.A. Yeah. I was a little surprised that he had a fiance at all. I had a feeling he might still be single. He's still a really young guy, especially focus for a head coach. Yeah, focus yeah. on football. But, I mean, that's that's kind of the ticket. Once you find an attractive girl as a head football coach, once you find an attractive girl who understands yeah. that you're never going to be around for most of the year well, also, and they're fine with it, then you probably just marry them. Yeah, and I also feel like as an NFL coach, it's kind of like as a president, like you need to have a wife by your side. Yeah. You need to have someone there that motivates you and keeps you level-headed because – Taking on all that pressure by yourself has got to be miserable. The L.A. media alone. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you only listen to the local media, you've got the L.A. media coming after you. Exactly. They've been notorious for hundreds of years. I mean, well, okay, hundreds. Over 100 years, probably. Yeah. Easy. The 20s. Um, and speaking of the L.A. media, let's get to our diva of the HBO show. Yep. Jalen Ramsey. Yep. Did not like repeating that question. He was asked if he... Uh, so a big part of Jalen Ramsey going from the Jaguars to L.A. was he wanted a new contract. And even though L.A. gave up like two first rounds and another pick to get him, they didn't give him the contract yet. And he oh, he's like, OK, fine, I'll play one more year, then give me the money. You know, yeah, he seems to be understanding what the front office or at least his agent is, because after you demand a trade and they give away two first round picks, you can't go to another team right away. So right. you're the, you're with that team. Right. What was his? Uh. Famous line. Oh, uh, before he got traded? No, 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 no. That he kept giving to the media when they kept asking him. He said, I'm going to let my agent and the team handle that. Yep. I'm going to let my agent and the team handle that. And then they said, but... And then I thought it was a really fair question. I mean, the LA media wasn't that bad in this phone call. I mean, granted, it's like yeah. three minutes. But it, you know, they said, but what does it mean to you? We know you can't control it, but is that a chip on your shoulder? Is that a mental thing for you? And then 
he pushed back and he left and he came back and he just said, y'all got to take the answer I give you. Yeah. I think he is more frustrated about the contract than the question. I was most surprised with that the media personnel or whoever the person is for the Rams forced him back into that interview. Well, with HBO there. I guess that's true. Yeah, they got to put it on. I wonder if that is common. Like, if you get the job as the media relations person for a team, you have to handle the dudes that don't want to go talk anymore. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. It's your job because I guess the, I mean, NFL, you can't really sit out interviews. I mean, Marshawn Lynch proved that when he was at the Super Bowl. And all he says, I'm just here so I won't get fined. I think they should pay Marshawn Lynch to announce the picks for the draft. Yeah, that would be great. (laughs) What's up, y'all? Protect y'all chickens. <laughs> you know, number one, Burrow, uh, Tigers, or whatever, Bengals, you know. Should have been me. Should have been me, whatever. Move on. <laughs> yeah, that'd be the quickest draft ever. He wouldn't even wait for the teams. He'd be like, we already know who's going to be going here. <laughs> He's like, Oakland, okay, I see you, Oakland, okay, okay, okay. When they need help on the side of the ball. Yeah. Like, Rudy, Rudy in. And he'd be like, you got to say the full name, Marshawn, full I, name. <laughs> I would love to hear him make the pick for the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> and for the team that should have ran the ball. <laughs> Never forget. Never forget. As a Broncos fan who suffered defeat, our team suffered defeat at the hands of the Seahawks the year before. Mm-hmm. That media storm they faced for the next year after not running it. Felt great. Uh, it felt like redemption. You also had to hear Tom Brady, though. He's back. That was his first Super Bowl win, and I was anti Tom Brady. I was anti Tom Brady till he started having the most, and now I just want to see him run up the score. Yeah, now it's like because he he went through ten years of losing to the Giants and not doing anything. So then it was like, okay, I'm not that sick of Tom Brady anymore. It'd be cool if he came back and did it as he was old. Yeah, my thing is, I just I want there to be some true separation between him and Michael Jordan. I don't want them both to end with six. So you want you want Brady to get seven or have uh, an investigation opened up that gets one taken away? <laughs> no, because I know investigation is not going to happen. Yeah, that's but, true. But with the Patriots, an investigation into cheating and always I think, around the corner. I think him winning one with the Bucks would just be awesome. Yeah, but as a as a Peyton Manning fan, who cares? No, but as a Peyton Manning fan, then Tom Brady would be the second quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl as a starter for two different teams. So what? He's still the greatest. At least Peyton Manning's the first. No, but see, if he doesn't win with the Bucks, Harrison, I can make the argument that Peyton is the greatest quarterback who just never had a good but team. But no one's going to listen to that argument. If Tom Brady looks like hot garbage with all the weapons on the Bucks, it's Belichick. And that's the end of the argument. That is the end of the argument. Yeah. But if he's at least decent. I know. So part of me wants to see him do it all. And part of me, I either want him all or nothing. Tom Brady better win that Super Bowl or win two games this year and look terrible. That's yeah. And you know what? He cannot afford to look bad because his retirement is this TB12 method that keeps him playing forever. Yeah. So he needs to be like, do you want to play football till you're 47? But I think we can both agree he's got enough talent around him to at least look decent. You hope. As long as yeah. his arm can get the ball to Mike Evans or that's Godwin. True. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, he can't. Bruce Arians does not like the tight end. Yeah, he always tries to act like it. Oh, we'll throw more to the tight end. He They're like, oh, he's ball. he's never had a tight end like OJ Howard. Anybody want to draft OJ Howard in their fantasy league this year? Nope. Every year it's oh, this is the year. No way. OJ Howard is going to have to get traded, and he's OJ Howard is on his way to being the next Eric Ebron. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of promise, bouncing team to team, never doing it. Yeah. I mean, he's only on one team now, but that's what I'm saying. So from Jalen Ramsey, my last my last hard knock note I've got. Okay. 
the guy that I want to hear more from, who's been arguably the best defensive player, at least the best defensive lineman for the past few years, yeah, Aaron Donald. Right. Um, there was a couple shots of him. They they had him in the funny part at the end with the porta potties. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen the porta potty thing, we're not sure we can play the audio without getting sued. HBO would come after us, but essentially. Sean McVay loses it over somebody taking a shit in the porta potty. Yeah. <laughs> he says, have some awareness, piss in the porta potty, go inside. I just went in there. It was terrible. Where are they supposed to shit? That's right. a good question. Yeah. That was, I, if anywhere, I'd say do it in the porta potty. You know how much protein and fiber they got going in their bodies? Those players are huge. They got to let something out. Yeah. <laughs> but Sean McVay doesn't have to deal with it. Okay. He wants an executive porta potty. Yeah. What if it was Sean McVay who actually took the dump? Let's call this uh, poop gate. What if HBO wasn't going to be done filming for the day unless they had something funny? So Sean McVay was like, all right, I got something. And he just went for it. <laughs> well, no. Remember at the very end? Um, this could be an editing trick knowing video. At the very end, they Aaron Donald's like, you got one of your own guys, HBO, in the porter potty taking shit. Yeah, he accused the Hard Knocks guys of doing they it. They just reversed it. And um, then they did, oh, someone pooped in the porter potty. So after he accused the Hard Knocks guys of doing it, they went back to the footage of him complaining about it, and they layered it that way. Yeah. Okay. To make it seem like someone had pooped in the porter potty, but it was really just an HBO guy. Exactly. Setting up his story. <laughs> so I think we figured it out. It was definitely an HBO cameraman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's hey, what I would say. He can't be on the healthy diet right now. Edding's never done in one straight sequence. It's all over the place, back and forth. So, yeah, they could easily done that. Sounds like my nightmare. But Aaron Donald, um, I mean, first of all, uh, the first time you see him, he's shirtless with a bandana on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a straight man, but he looks like the plastic surgery dream body I'd like to have. I mean, I knew Aaron Donald was big, but you think of Lyman usually being kind of fat. Yeah. Aaron Donald is, he's freaking built. I'll take the six-pack abs. God, I think he had 12. I think he had a spare six pack. I don't know what was the arms. Like everything was just, he's just muscular. Yeah. Aaron Donald might be a bodybuilder after this. Um, No, you're going to watch him. He'll shrink down and become like what Gronk did. Yeah. Like all of them do. Cause you have to eat so much to stay up there. Yeah. Yeah. But I'd like to hear more from Donald. I mean, he's the most talked about player. We know nothing about. Yeah, I think we'll still see something coming from him. I mean, there's no way they go through this whole hard knocks and don't focus on him at some point. No. I mean, they're going to obviously focus on some rookies and some people who may or may not get cut and then cuz that's the compelling stuff, but yeah, they've got to focus on the big stars. What do you think of the players getting cut? The the one guy saying that's bullshit. I yeah. I really liked the inside look. So this uh I don't even know who the player was, but a player got yeah. cut. He was a tight end. He was a tight end. Yeah. Yeah. He was white and he was a tight end. With a mask, we can't figure anything else out. He he didn't get a label at the bottom. He just got cut. Mm -hmm. Um, But when that guy got cut, I really liked seeing uh, Teleska, the GM, and Anthony Lynn talking about it, saying, you know what? I actually kind of liked seeing that fight from him. Yeah, almost thinking, like, maybe we should bring him back. Yeah. you know, I was waiting for it. Like, are they going to be like, you know what? Let's go get him back. No, they wouldn't do it that quick. Yeah, I know, but it'd be creepy. Cool. Especially this season. I, I think for once, head coaches like Anthony Lynn are not blowing smoke up players' asses. They yeah. really are going to be needed this year. Yeah. People are going to go missing. You're going to have to come in maybe even just for a week. But if you know the system, you're going to go in. Yep. Now, if we see them sign like... <laughs> what did he say about that guy? He said, man, you ain't Antonio Gates, but he's acting like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So that's about all we have for Hard Knocks. We're going to have the latest on Hard Knocks every week because luckily of the day we film, we'll be doing the week before and we'll have an in-depth look at it. Uh, I'm sure you'll be seeing a lot of the headlines from it, like, oh, Anthony Lynn announces he has COVID, you know, things like that. But we're going to go into the deep stuff like this. If you want to keep hearing more from it, please stay tuned. What time is it? You think it's time for news? Yep, let's do it. Do you want to go first or me? You go first. I'll go second. Okay. Well, obviously today some big news broke for the Washington football team. We talk about this team every week, so we'll try and make this quick. Oh, my God. Another week. Yep. Talking about Washington. Yeah, I know. I had no idea when they were going to try to pick a team name that they were going to dominate the headlines like this. I'm just waiting for the football season to start so we don't have to talk about them anymore. I got a good segue after this. Because the Washington football team is reminding me of a very popular and not so popular American individual. But let's go on. How'd they make news? So today they hired their new president and it's Jason Wright, a former NFL running back turned business consultant who is also African-American, making him the first African-American president in the NFL. The first black team president for an NFL team. Yep. Yep. Um, so what do you think about that? It feels, it obviously feels like a PR move Yeah, to hire somebody who is, you know, the first black team president, but looking at the responsibilities of what this person is doing, it all looks non-football. It all looks like marketing, seating, internal, you know, running the building and stuff. So if they think he's the right guy for it, mm-hmm. you can't say it's a PR move because he's black. That's, right. yeah. that's inverted racism or just regular racism. Yeah. So I think that. Does part of me think that Dan Snyder looked at black candidates closer to try to alleviate some of the pressure from minority owners that want him to sell the team? Yes. But I think that's a good thing. I don't think that's the only reason he picked the guy. Though. No, obviously yeah. not. I don't think he just got picked because he's black. Looking at his credentials, he looks pretty qualified. Yeah. He looks like a good guy to do this. And most fans don't know anything about their team president right they know their gm they know their coach they know the football people president doesn't really have a big face i know the broncos president but i'm just a nerd yeah and you know we don't have an owner well that's your team (laughs) yeah it's my team and we don't have an owner like there's no owner the owner died all the kids are one kid is fighting against that uncle for it it's a whole thing tied up in court so for right now joe ellis for the broncos ceo and team president he's the only guy that can fire elway you know, and then Elway fires everyone else. Mm-hmm. So that's important. But with the Redskins, I think this guy is going to become that important, even though they have Dan Snyder, because Dan Snyder is going to want to go right back into the limelight. He's going to want to fade. Every time his name makes the headlines, it's worse for the team. Exactly. Things never get better. Yeah. So he wants somebody to take that attention away from him. And I think props to Dan Snyder for. You know, Washington's in nothing but bad news, right? Yeah. Uh, It's the worst place to work as a woman ever, apparently, for any NFL team right now. Uh, You know, offending Native Americans with their name. There's nothing good really coming in. Darius Geis. Yeah. Like, strangulation charges. Right. Not something you want to hear. No. So, I mean, just all these bad looks after bad look after bad look, it's... Yeah, I'm not even... I don't even like the team, but it's nice to see that they finally made the headlines for something positive. Yep. No, I agree with you on that. I mean, it's hard. 
and I can imagine more as a fan, it's hard to always be in the news and be negative. Like whether it's you're playing football and your team sucks because you're winning two games a year to everything outside of football, which should be the main focus is negative. Finally doing something good. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's like, so the Washington football team reminds me with this news. Um, it's almost like they make news so often that you don't have time to be upset about something they do. Yeah. Cause you're just waiting for the next pin to drop. Like, president donald trump yep he's always doing you know whether you like or don't like trump uh we at 10 minute warning have zero opinion to care less yeah we're here to talk about sports yeah. we're just watching this happen um but you gotta admit that trump is always it's if he does something wrong here it's something right next then wrong but like he just dominates the news cycle yeah antonio brown does that and now the washington football team seems to be doing that and I think it's very interesting that Dan Snyder, the owner of the Redskins, has been cited as a big donor to Trump. Big hmm. conservative. Maybe he finally started paying attention to what the president was doing yeah. and is using that to try to retake the team. Could be. Say what you want about Trump. He hasn't been he hasn't been kicked out of office yet. He yeah. hasn't been impeached. It's been tried. He's tried. Yeah. People have tried. That brings me to my next point. Donald Trump has golfed with not one but two members of the 2008 Jets team hmm. in the past week. <laughs> Think he's looking to possibly get out of, once he's out of office buying a football team? Oh, well, okay. As far as being linked to the Jets specifically, I mean, Woody Johnson is an ambassador for him yeah. to a different country. So the owner of the Jets is clearly comfortable with Trump in some aspect. Yeah. Especially being from New York, he probably knows a ton of people like Trump. Mm -hmm. But so Brett Favre made the headlines three weeks. So three weeks ago, we hit the links with Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre, um, who only played the 2008 season with Gang Green, mm -hmm. the Jets. Then Saturday, he played around with Jay Feely, the kicker of that team. That was at his club in New Jersey. Uh, it's kind of like a non-story, but it's also like. It's an election year. There's it's a something time there. There's something there. There's yeah. it's it's an election year. The people you're playing golf with and taking pictures with and putting them online, that says something. Right. It either is saying something from Favre's standpoint or from Feely's standpoint, or it's Trump trying to say athletes like me. Yeah. Uh if And he's trying to win over New York. If training camp hadn't already happened, I would be in no way shocked to see either Bosa brother out with him on the links, mm -hmm. maybe the whole Bosa family. Cause if you remember in San Francisco, that Bosa went there, Nick Bosa yep. went there and he, he got a, he had a Magna MAGA hat in his locker and it caused a whole thing. It was not a good look. Yeah. It was not a good look because you just can't beat San Francisco. I mean, it's like when, uh, who was the cornerback for those 49ers when they went to the Super Bowl? Oh. That came out and made a gay slur or something like that. And you just can't in that city. Yeah, that's true. I can't remember who that was. The only, as soon as you said Super Bowl, cornerback, 49ers, I thought of Richard Sherman yelling at Aaron Andrews. No. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's, that's my news article, just that Trump is seemingly racking up 2008 Jets players to golf with. Okay. It's kind of weird. It's a weird headline. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, so this weekend mm -hmm. news came out and it may have been a little bit last week, but I heard over the weekend 
that Seahawks cornerback. Sorry, I'm on the wrong article. Let me switch here. Uh, undrafted free agent cornerback Kamad Siverand. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, was caught sneaking a woman into <laughs> training camp. But it gets a little bit more interesting because he tried to dress her up as a player. He tried to dress her up as a player. Yeah. He put a hoodie on her, sweatpants, put the hoodie over her head. I'm, I can imagine this girl being like 5'4". No one's going to go, hey, that's one of our players. Like, <laughs> they try to make her look like the kicker? <laughs> yeah. Try, basically, like the cornerback's hanging out with a kicker. Immediately gets cut and weighed from the team. Was he? So how high was he drafted? He's a rookie, right? He was an undrafted rookie free agent. Okay, so. Not a big loss. So that's, that's my. Might have been cut anyways. When you were a UDF undrafted free agent and you're trying to make a team. You don't want to screw up like that. The last thing you want to do is be the dude trying to sneak booty in. Yeah. He's trying to get booty into the bubble. <laughs> no, the thing is, any other time, he might have gotten away with it, but due to COVID. But I still don't think he would have gotten away with it. No. I think during training camp, it's kind of like, well, see, unless you're I, married, off it, limits. I think when I looked at this, wasn't it part of a COVID bubble? Like, it, that yeah. was part of it. Like, yeah. During He's trying regular, to sneak her into the bubble. During regular training camp, you could have just gone and gotten some booty before yeah. or during the season or after. Yeah. But now it's like players have been isolating before camp. They're isolating during camp. Some girl saw that he was on the Seahawks, sent him some sort of message. Yep. Had him feeling some sort of way. Yeah, but I just thought it was hilarious that he tried to. He tried to make her look like a player. And uh, Mike Munchak, the head coach for the Titans, was asked about this. Mm-hmm. And he said, in typical Munchak fashion, he said, he said, well, my first thought is I hope she wasn't the size of an NFL player. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Sneaking Lizzo into training camp. But like the fact that like he just put a hoodie on her and thought that would get her in. To yeah. where there's security personnel everywhere, there's coaches everywhere, and here, put this hoodie on. That'll get you by. This brings us back to our problem of uh, student athletes when they're in college don't have to take enough classes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a dumb move. <laughs> I mean, do you think he would have gotten caught? Do you think he would have gotten cut if he had been caught sneaking out somewhere and then coming back? So, like... Sneaking the girl in introduces a whole nother level of like contaminating everybody. But if you leave, maybe instead of getting cut, you just have to do a quarantine before you can come back to practice like a 10 day. I imagine as an undrafted free agent, you're cut. You're cut. Yeah. You don't have much room to mess up. And if you just leave the bubble, they don't have time. To, they're not going to have time to wait 14 days for you. Yeah. Football. football You've missed is very your much chance. A, it's a discipline sport. Yeah. yeah. Like you only have so much time to prove yourself and they can't wait 14 days. <laughs> I can't believe this dude was like, I'm going to try to sneak her in. Like, I think it would have been more interesting had it been like a first round pick. Yeah. Or somebody they couldn't do without. Yeah. They couldn't do without. Like how would they have handled it? Tyler Lockett. What if Tyler Lockett was sneaking somebody in? Yeah. He probably would have been quarantined, fined, all that. But yeah, fined by the team, not even by the league. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I think it works out really well for the Seahawks and for the league that it's a UDF that does it because then they got to set the pre- they got to set the precedent. Yep. You don't do this, you get cut. And um, that guy's never going to get in their team again. I mean, I think I think that's a career ender right there. I don't know if it's a career ender. He's so young. Yeah, it's just you're somebody's going to try to fill out a roster. He may be done for the year. Yeah. But I think he'll probably get another shot on some training camps. I mean, p- guys get a lot of shots. If they get brought in as a UDF once mm-hmm. 
whatever got them brought in that one time can get them brought in a couple times. And, you know, most coaches, once the coronavirus is done, aren't going to care about this. Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm assuming it ends. I don't know. You could be right. Yeah. I mean, it really depends how good he was. It's just a huge character issue. Yeah, it is. It's a huge character issue. To be like, I care more about myself than the team. Yeah, but I mean. That's what he's saying. But if a team thinks that he gives them depth and he can provide, like, if his biggest character issue is not handling a pandemic well, we only have one every hundred years. That's true. (laughs) So hopefully. Let's go to the Monday night football team for ESPN has been announced. Yay! (laughs) ESPN, since John Gruden decided to take a 10-year big dick money deal with the Oakland Raiders, has been just terrible. I mean, ESPN has found nobody, and I didn't think Gruden was that good. But now seeing people trying to replace him, and it's It's like, it's like, okay, we miss you, Grudes. Come back, Grudes. Um, Give him a couple more years with Oakland. Well, as a Broncos fan, I would prefer him to sign another 10-year deal with the Raiders and just keep this mediocrity going. So uh, ESPN always has a doubleheader to start the season. So they're bringing up Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet from college to do the first Monday night football game. That'll be at like Uh, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Yeah. Tell me how you really feel. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like it when college intermixes with pros. That's what ESPN just did wrong with their last team. Yeah. It just it just makes it seem amateur, and I don't like Kirk Herbstreit to begin with. I feel like he's too. I want to say like, pretty boy and talks to the basics of everything, but he's not a great in depth analyzer. Well, he just got an award, so yeah, and he cried like a baby. Look that up if you want. So I think uh, you know ESPN is only going to have a doubleheader once, yes, yeah. maybe twice if uh, if COVID moves games around and they have to smush some stuff together, but. So these guys are going to do one game, right? Mm-hmm. Let's look at the guys who are going to be there week in and week out. Okay. I actually like this list. I do. Um, the official ESPN new Monday night football lineup. And I mean, God, could they have cut it any closer? This got announced today. Mm-hmm. When's but, the week one start? Uh, it's September 14th. This team is in action. Yeah. And it's the 17th. So they've got just a under a month yep. <laughs> to get it all together. That's not great. But we've got... Steve Levy, who mm-hmm. um, came out of nowhere. I mean, he's one of the oldest ESPN personalities I know, and I hadn't seen him anywhere until the XFL. And then he was there. He was going to be the guy that brought in the XFL. Mm-hmm. Pandemic shut that down, but it looks like it worked out for him. Yeah, he he got to show enough of his commentator skills with the XFL. I mean, if you can make an XFL broadcast work, then you give them the talent of an NFL game to work with, right. it's going to be much easier. Yeah. I More excitement. So I think I really like Steve Levy. He's on play-by-play. Yeah. Um, and then Brian Greasy. Yep. Uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl champion as a backup. Uh, went to the Pro Bowl one time. Yeah, for the Denver Broncos. John Elway's backup. Yeah. Who never – that was the beginning of the dark times, Brian Greasy, when he took over as quarterback. Yeah. That was the beginning of the dark times. Well, he wasn't with Denver long. He then moved on to, like, Miami and Buffalo and a few other teams. And Yeah. His career wasn't – his only Pro Bowl was one time. Uh, he led the league in passer percentage one time, so passing percentage. He had he had one good year. Yeah, pretty much. Hello, so. Nick Foles. Um. Yeah. <laughs> No, Nick Foles is actually a little bit more accomplished, probably. 
And then you highlight that team with Lewis Riddick. Now, Lewis Riddick is the great hire here, but it's also pretty dangerous for them because every offseason, Lewis Riddick gets this much closer, just closer and closer to taking an actual NFL job. Yeah. Dave Gettleman got the GM job over him for the New York Giants, but he got to the point where I think he did like a six-hour interview with the team. I mean, like he was very seriously considered, laid everything out. And Lewis Riddick has worked with, I mean, he's worked with, off the top of my head, the Eagles, the Redskins, and I believe the Chiefs mm-hmm. in their front office. So he has a lot of front office experience. So he brings that evaluation of a potential GM, of a personnel person. He can talk about what those players do well. He can lean on his friends in the league before games to find stuff out about players. Brian Greasy can talk about it from more of a player standpoint, like what this quarterback's doing, what people are doing. And I've noticed that a lot of guys that were better backup quarterbacks usually end up being really good coaches mm-hmm. or really good evaluators. Yep. Because they couldn't do it, but they saw others do it. Well, they were taught constantly. Like exactly. They constantly yeah. had to learn. Mm-hmm. And whereas the other ones just played and balled out. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear John Elway describe a, a quarterback. He's going to get bored. Yeah. And just be like, I'm going to go make some money. <laughs> <laughs> but all, overall, I'm glad that Booger is gone. Booger McFarland and his yes. dumb chair are gone. And Tessator, I really thought he got a bad gig. He got a bad draw with all of this. I mean, he was their top college football guy. He got pulled in to help the fledgling ESPN Monday Night Football team. Yeah. And then he just got dragged down. I don't know where Tessator bounces back, but he had a great voice. It just did not. Anytime they cut to him, just put that dude on a box, man. He's so short. <laughs> like, cut Tom Cruise will stand on a box, okay? If Tom yeah. Cruise will do it, you can do it. Al Pacino, have you seen the shots of him in The Irishman where he's wearing, like, these big heels just so he's tall enough in the scenes? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, Al Pacino is going to do it. I think Tessator can do it. Yeah. Like, what is it? Ten of his friends are laughing in the background. Like, there's millions of people watching. None of them Especially are going to Especially when they put him up next to players. Yeah. yeah. So I think despite ESPN's best efforts to screw up their N- MNF team, I actually like this one. I'm excited to see Monday Night Football in their Seems first like a, yeah. their first game. I'll be watching September 14th. Broncos Titans. Ooh, that'd be a good one. Yeah, let Brian Greasy start with the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be a good one. So, uh, let's see. Any more news? Uh, not unless you have any more. I think I got one more. So the wife of Detroit Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford has apologized for criticizing NFL players for kneeling during the National Anthem. She said when Kaepernick knelt during the National Anthem, she had strong feelings about it. Even when he kept saying it had had nothing to do with the flag or military, she didn't listen. Kept not listening. So now she has, over the past couple months, come to see that that's not what it's about. And I really do think this whole National Anthem thing, I mean... I don't really care much about Kelly Stafford. I don't live in Detroit. Yeah. But ever since her health thing came up, she has become more of a NFL personality in a way. Mm -hmm. And I just think that as more people start to notice, this was even in Hard Knocks. The one player talked about the National Anthem thing, said he had family in the military. They thought it was disrespectful to the flag. Uh, I 100% don't see it as a disrespect to the flag. The flag is about freedom of speech. It's about... Yeah. the freedom to talk about things. And no one cared when Tim Tebow kneeled during the national anthem because he was praying. Right. Remember that. Yeah. No one can. Tim Tebow was always kneeled during the national anthem. I think it's just a matter. People care because of what 
the stance was behind it, which was a dumb reason to care. And then and then they use that to say it's disrespectful to the, to the flag when right. other people were already doing it. It's 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 a straw man argument. It's stupid. Yeah. But anyway, that's all I got. Anything else from you? Nope. All right. We'll be back next week with more hard knocks and more sports. I'm Ian. I'm Harrison. And we're out.